Welcome to the brand new Patriots and Pinstripes podcast, the official podcast of the New York Yankees AA affiliate Somerset Patriots. And the Patriots have won it! Somerset! My name is Mark Schwartz. On this show, I'll cover all things Somerset Patriots and New York Yankees, from the organizational structure all the way down to the prospects, the AA Northeast League, and everything in between. A pleasant hello and welcome to another episode of the Patriots in Pinstripes podcast. My name is Mark Schwartz, and as always, thank you so much for tuning in. I'll keep my intro short this week because we have a special episode on tap. Four, yes, four interviews coming up on today's show, all with vice presidents of the Somerset Patriots. I'll chat with vice president of ticketing, Matt Kopis, VP of operations, Brian Awicki, Senior Vice President of Marketing, Dave Merrick, and Vice President of Communications and Media Relations, Mark Russinoff. I promise that, uh, likely starting next week, we'll get into the New York Yankees organization more in depth uh, with a look at some of the players and coaches uh, that we'll likely see in Somerset this year. But for now, on one last episode, uh, I thought that there would be a lot of value in discussing how each department within the Patriots front office reacted to the new affiliation with the New York Yankees and what some of their strategies are moving forward. Um, Also, I wanted to reinforce that the same faces that have been making decisions uh, with this organization for the last 20 plus years are still the ones that are in-house and are still the ones that are uh, making the decisions now. Uh, So without any further introduction, We've got a lot of interviews to get to, so let's just jump right into them, uh, starting with our first interview uh, with Somerset Patriots Vice President of Ticketing, Matt Kopis. Who wants to play baseball? Let's go! Yes, sir! Woo! And welcome back to the Patriots in Pinstripes podcast. My name is Mark Schwartz, and the first Vice President that we have on for this week's episode is the Vice President of Ticketing, Matt Kopis. How you doing, Matt? Pretty good, Mark. How you doing? I'm doing all right. I, I want to get started, and I know a lot of people are interested in tickets, but before we get into the specifics of the ticketing department and everything that's gone on since this Yankee news broke, and it's been a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll, tr- we'll try to squeeze this into about 10 minutes or so, but can you give a little background for some of the fans that are tuning in on how long you've been with the team and, and sort of what your day-to-day responsibilities are with the team? Sure. Um, yeah, I've been here a while. I've been here for, uh, I guess, this May, uh, this June, I'll be here 18 years. Um, so I think this is my 19th season going into. Um, the big 1-9. Yeah, I know. I'm getting close <laughs> to the big 2-0. That's, that's, a, right. that's a big number around here <laughs> when you're here 20 years. Um, but uh, yeah, so I, I'm the vice president of ticketing. Like you said, I, I run... Um, you know, basically our ticket operations department, which is uh, season tickets, group tickets, single game tickets, you know, kind of coming up. I, I did a lot of group sales um, and I still do. You know, I used to be director of group sales, used to book birthday parties. I've done about everything you can do around here. And, and now I'm kind of more of a uh, managerial role within the ticket department, you know, um, you know, working with Nick Chirillo in the ticket office and, and uh, you know, kind of running day to day operations. So. The news broke for this Yankee affiliation back on November 7th. That was a Saturday. And then the immediate reaction from a lot of people are, this is awesome. This is very exciting. How can I get tickets? And shortly after that, that's when you come into play. (laughs) And all of the uh, craziness that has occurred since that point, I can imagine that's been a lot of work for you, that it's been a pretty crazy couple of months. Uh, can you talk a little bit about what these months have been like for you in regards of getting season ticket deposits and setting up a ticket system and having to answer all of these questions and inquiries from fans? What's it been like for you the last couple of months? It's been uh, it's been crazy. It's been good though. Um, just funny side note: when the um, the news came down on November seventh, as you know, we didn't know it was coming down that day. I happened to be at the zoo with my family. <laughs> I was uh, you know walking, actually playing mini golf outside the Turtleback Zoo. My phone started blowing up, and uh, I realized that uh, it was going to be an interesting afternoon. So after 
spending another couple hours at the zoo, went home and jumped on my computer and got to work. So it was, uh, I'm always remember the zoo for that, <laughs> for this going down we, on that day. I feel like that day is going to live on in all of our lives. Like in the front <laughs> office, yeah. we know the exact moment when we found out where we were, yeah. who we were with. It's just going to be one of those kind of days. Yeah, but uh, no, it's it's been um, it's been crazy. It's, it's been unlike anything I've ever you know dealt with uh, with the Patriots for a good reason. You know, obviously, um, you know the first thing people thought of when they heard about the affiliation was you know their interest in in coming to games, and that involves tickets, obviously. So, you know, our department, you know was among the first to kind of really be, be right there, you know, you know, among, you know, answering questions and, you know, trying to, you know, um, make sure that we you know, had information for fans. And, um, you know, we quickly set up a, we didn't really have a, a schedule, obviously. We didn't have a ticket system set up. We didn't have a lot of things that you need. So we quickly kind of devised a plan to, um, you know, start taking deposits to get people on a priority list, uh, thinking that that's the best way to kind of organize everybody and, uh, really uh, put everybody in a fair order so everybody you know the first person to put a deposit was the first person to get the two seats so that's kind of how we did it and uh, you know from there it was just a lot of meetings and phone calls just trying to you know get get information and figure out when the schedule's coming out how many games are we going to be playing uh, how many people are going to be able to be here where are we going to sit everybody um, and then the um, initial reaction was amazing I mean we got you know uh, you know, as you said, over a thousand season ticket deposits in the first couple months. So, um, you know, it, it became a very large number. And then we just had to kind of really organize everything and take our time and talk to everybody and, you know, get their requests on where they want to sit and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So it was uh, it was a, a very large logistical effort to get the, get everything going, but we're doing pretty good. What's it? What was it like for you um, after the announcement was made in these next couple of months as people were registering to and placing their deposits to be a season ticket holder. We're seeing this incredible amount of interest, interest like we haven't really seen, like you said, since 98, 99. Uh, but at that same time, you're being communicated little pieces of information for Major League Baseball, uh, little snippets about the PDL. And then on top of all of that, there's this COVID-19 pandemic, which is presenting its own case of problems and frustrations uh, for everyone. But, you know, of course, with the ticket department as well. So juggling this huge amount of interest with this little information that you have about PDLs and for Major League Baseball, and also little amount of interest on what's going to be available and what COVID is going to allow with state and Major League Baseball guidelines. What was it like for you to have to juggle all three of these unprecedented things at the same time? Uh, I mean, it's it's been challenging, but it's, uh, you know, like anything else, you just work your way through it. I mean, we're, you know, uh, I work really closely again with Nick up in the ticket office, and I spend a lot of time walking up there, you know, from our offices in the basement upstairs to the ticket office and kind of sitting down with him and, and Ken, who's our box office manager, and just kind of talking through things, just throwing different scenarios at the wall. You know, what if we're allowed to have this many people? What about this? How are we going to put these season ticket holders here? How much space do we leave? You know, do we have to cut somebody off? You know, do we have to kind of keep the aisle open? How far do we have to keep them off the dugout? Um, you know, all kinds of scenarios and, you know, working through sample seating charts and, and, and you know, play, you know, trying to get all of our, you know, our, our renewal season ticket holders who have been with us all these years and making sure we're taking good care of them and getting them as close as possible to their seats and um, all these new season ticket holders. We want to make sure that they have the best experience possible, you know, for the first time coming to the ballpark. Um, so, you know, it, it was, it was, as the information came out, you know, we've been getting a little bit of a clearer image of what it's going to look like, but even, you know, now, what are we, a month and a half from opening day, you know, I, I, I still have two or three different contingency plans that I'm planning for right now, and I don't know which one we're going to go with. So, um, you know, it's very much just, you know, it's a guessing game. And, and I think a lot of times people think we kind of have the inside knowledge of what's going on. And, and a lot of times we don't, I mean. You know, I'd come out of a meeting in Patrick, our GM's office, and I think half the you know, office would stand up from their desks looking at me like, do you have an update? Do you have an update? And like, It's no, true. No. I can attest to that. Yeah. And usually I see your head popping up there, Oh, too. I got a big head. So. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, it's 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 been challenging, but it's been it's been fun. I mean, it's, honestly, it's, uh, you know, talking with so many new fans, um, you know, people who, who've lived in the area for years and for whatever reason never came to a game, but now, you know, they're buying a full season ticket plan. You know, it's um, – it, 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 you know, people or people who have been coming to games for years and have said, you know what, I really want to get season tickets now. You guys do an awesome job. I can't wait to see what you do, you know, with the Yankee affiliation. So uh, it's been it's been a lot of fun, really. It really has been. Opening day for the 2021 season is Tuesday, May 4th against the Harrisburg Senators. That's what I hear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when, when I say that date and we recognize that that's only 
about seven weeks away at this point. And you mentioned before, Matt, that uh, there's a lot of that guesswork that's going in because we still don't know. And, you know, guidelines can change from the state, from Major League Baseball. All, all of these things are kind of up in the air. So when I say that opening day is seven weeks away, what are what are a couple of the thoughts that pop into your head on, on maybe priorities that need to get done before we get ready for, for game one? Ooh, uh that's that's a tough question because I think my priority list right now is is fairly long. <laughs> um, but uh, I mean, you know, priorities. Uh, you know, number one thing we need to find out is is how many people we can officially have. You know, to watch games. You know, uh, states and, and and other governments across the country are all opening up at varying speeds. Um, you know, we're, we're right now we're you know if the season opened tomorrow, we'd be authorized to have fifteen percent um, of our normal capacity in the ballpark. Um, which roughly would give us, uh, you know, enough uh, to cover all of our full and half season ticket holders, um, and uh, and probably some additional single game buyers and and, and um, you know our renewal, you know, mini plans and things like that. You know, people that you know we um, who paid for tickets and obviously all of our new season ticket holders. Uh, so that's a good start, and we know that's our baseline, which was important. We found that out. That that took a load off my shoulders because I knew, you know, we weren't going to be in a situation like last year where it was only 500 people. Um, you know, that's roughly, you know, probably be about 12, 1300 people at, uh, you know, 15%. So, you know, if we get up to 25%, which is our hope by opening day, um, that would give us a little bit more breathing room, uh, would also allow us to open up some other areas of the ballpark, uh, possibly, you know, do some suites, you know, some, some events up in the, the private suites. We feel like those are really kind of the ultimate social distancing, having your own private room, uh, maybe open up our picnic area, at least to some table seating so we can, you know, socially distant people, you know, in the picnic area. Um, so, you know, um, that's our priority is really figuring out how many people can come in. And our next priority is figuring out how we're going to set everybody up. So that's where we've had a lot of, um, not guessing game, but a lot of like, um, you know, just contingency plans. Like right now, you know, we have to have everybody seated in little pods. So that basically means if you're a season ticket holder and you bought four tickets, your four seats are going to be next to each other like normal. And then uh, the next group of people would be about six feet away from you um, in any direction. So they'd be three or four seats away to your right or left and then two rows behind you. Um, so we have to set up the entire seating chart of the ballpark to fit all of our season ticket holders into seating like that. Um, and then if restrictions get loosened, we have to have another plan for if we're allowed to have more people. So we have to spread people out more, or I should say consolidate them a little bit and then create room for new people. So this is kind of the, you know, what I go through on a day-by-day -day basis and, and oh. what I wake up in the morning thinking <laughs> about and go to bed thinking about. So Sounds fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'll, I'll let you go on this. Um, one of the biggest questions that I see, I, I, you know, help out a lot with the social media for the team. And we see a lot of comments from fans. Uh, I mentioned this on the last podcast. We're not blind. So we understand what a lot of the concerns from fans are. We understand what a lot of the questions are. And uh, one of the big ones that we see repeatedly is if and when will single game tickets go on sale. And I know that we're working out exactly what the plan is for that. And we don't have a firm date on exactly when that would be available. Uh, but can you expand a little bit on if single game tickets are available, what that process might look like for this season? Sure. Yeah. We've had a, a bunch of meetings on that and I do want to reassure everybody. I mean, we, you know, like Mark said, we're not blind. We do see, <laughs> we do see the comments and we understand the questions. It's just, um, you know, sometimes we're not in a position to, you know, we don't know all the answers and we don't want to give you kind of partial truths out there, but I can say we will have single game tickets on sale um, for home games. We are, uh, intentionally setting everything up so that even with our season ticket holders, we want to make sure that there is an allotment of of tickets on a you know for every game that we sell uh, to single game buyers. So that I can tell you. Um, how many that's going to be will depend on um, you know how many people kind of our final season ticket list and then how many what our attendance restrictions are. Um, the game plan would be kind of putting them on sale in a rolling basis. So. Um, you know, like let's just say, for instance, we decided in April sometime we were going to put tickets on sale, you know, single game tickets. We'd probably do the first home stand or two um, and make an announcement. And wouldn't we, just, we wouldn't just put them online and say, oh, they're online, go buy them. We'd tell you when they're going to be, exactly what day, what time, give you plenty of notice. Um, and then we'll put them on sale and see how the sales go. And then, you know, wait until we you know, maybe get an update on attendance or something like that, how many people we can allow. And then we'll probably put the next couple home stands on, and we'll probably go so on and so forth throughout the season, 
you know, we're not just going to flip a switch and sell tickets to every single game because, you know, if we put 300 tickets on sale for a game now uh, in August and we might find out, you know, a month from now that, hey, we can actually have a thousand or, or you know, what, whatever it's going to be. Things can change. Things can change. And we want to kind of stay ahead of that change. We don't want to be caught off guard. So, um, you know, I, I'm pretty meticulous when it comes to this kind of stuff. Like I really want to have a game plan and kind of adhere to it. But I also understand that, um, you know, things change. So we just need to be able to adapt and, you know, just, you know, want to let everybody know we're definitely going to be putting single game tickets on sale uh, and we'll put as many as we can up. And hopefully as the summer progresses, things open up and maybe by September, you know, we have almost a full house here. So, Well, a lot of uh, tasks to be completed, a lot of uh, boxes to be checked over the next uh, basically two months as we get ready for opening day. I know that you're a busy man, Matt, so thank you so much for joining the podcast, and uh, we'll talk again soon. Sounds good. Thanks, Mark. Appreciate it. Welcome back to the Patriot in Pinstripes podcast. My name is Mark Schwartz, and now I am joined by the Vice President of Operations for the Somerset Patriots, the one and only Mr. Brian Iwicki. How you doing, Brian? I'm doing great. Thanks for asking me to come on. I'm very excited. I was very honored that you asked me to do this. Yeah, of course. Well, thank you for taking some time out of your extraordinarily busy days. <laughs> yes, it I, is. You were actually supposed to be up here about 15 minutes ago. I was. Yes, I, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think this is going to be a fun conversation. So you were a part of the initial envoy of Patriots employees that welcomed in the Yankees. And on our last episode of the podcast, uh, Pat McVeary mentioned that a lot of this came to start on Memorial Day weekend, and it was a pretty quick turnaround to get the ballpark ready. So yeah. when you first got that call from Pat that the Yankees were coming to town and that we needed to get the ballpark ready, what were a couple of thoughts that were going through your head? <laughs> well, it was funny because he calls me on a on a Saturday and he says, uh, hey, uh, what are you doing today? And I said, well, I'm uh, just hanging around the house and getting some stuff done. And he said, uh, are you sitting down? And I said, uh, yeah, I can sit down. What's I, I'm, th I'm expecting something bad. You know, it's like, oh, God, what's going on? So he says, uh, well, the Yankees would like to come look at the uh, the ballpark. And I was like, oh, well, that's pretty cool. Uh, well, what day do they want to come next week? And he's like, well, no, they want to come tomorrow. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God, they want to come tomorrow? Are you kidding me? So, we, you know, we, <laughs> of course, we're in the middle of COVID shutdowns. We haven't done anything to the ballpark, really. You know, we had turned the water on and, you know, some minor things. And um, all of a sudden, you know, it's like, wow, we, we've got to get almost opening day ready in a few hours. So we started making some phone calls to the staff. I grabbed my wife, Anne-Marie, and I was like, hey, you got to get dressed. We got to <laughs> We're going to work. And uh, she's like, what? What? I'm like, I hadn't even told her what it was for. I just said, you got to get dressed. We have to go to work. <laughs> and uh, we have to do some cleaning. And uh, she's like, you want to tell me for what? And I was, so I told her, and she was very excited. So got a staff of guys here and, you know, did, did some cleaning and straightening up and, you know, making the place look nice. And uh, it was it was quite the day. You know, we spent a good eight or ten hours here that day. I got a last minute call to my cleaning crew. Um, you know, Raritan Building Services. I'll give them a shout out. They did a fantastic job. They came in and really helped us as well. You know, clean up the concourse. And Dan Perner, you know, went and lined the field and uh, made everything look pretty. You know, he had been mowing the lawn. You know, and, and keeping track of the field. And anyway, you know, because we didn't know when was you know what was going to happen. So Dan had the field looking pristine. So they showed up that Sunday, and uh, we walked around for several hours, and uh, it was a great conversation. They gave us a list of things that we needed to have done for the ballpark, and um, you know it was like, all right, well we have a little bit of you know we have a little bit of work to do, but you know we're in pretty good shape. You know they they really loved a lot of the aspects of the ballpark. You know we had some really cool stuff here um, that that made it appealing for them, especially with our. Um, you know, our, our medical facility and our training facility that we have here um, on site, which also was an exciting part of why all the Atlantic League teams, I think, liked coming here because we had a really nice workout area uh, with the RWJ building. So first, I want to say, how long have you been with the Patriots? What year is this for you? So this is my 22nd season. Entering your 22nd season. Entering my 22nd season. And you haven't always been in the operations role, no, right? No, I started off in the ticketing department, and then in 2013, um, got promoted to vice president of operations. Um, so I kind of turned. I was kind of that guy that knew the most about the ballpark when our previous yeah. 
um, VP of Operations left. And for our fans that don't necessarily know what goes into being a VP of Operations, can can you just briefly touch on, I know it's impossible to say it <laughs> in a couple of words, but I mean, I, I don't know if people understand that when you say that you're in charge of the operations of the ballpark, that means literally every nut and bolt that goes into this place. Yeah, it really is. It's a, it's amazing. Like, you, you know, like people ask me what I do here and I'm like, <laughs> it's always a tough question because yeah. I'm like, I, and the, the easiest way for me to answer it is, is if there's something in the ballpark, I have something to do with it. So let's bring it back to the Yankees now. And, and you mentioned before, um, you know, when Brian Cashman, Matt Ferry, Kevin Reese eventually were here, uh, you know, they were looking at all the different facets of the ballpark and this was, you know, an initial impression that they yeah. were getting on, on what we have here. Yep. And then as the conversations progressed, then from there we start to find out that, you know, maybe the lighting needs to be upgraded or maybe the clubhouse needs to be expanded a little bit. And eventually all of this information comes out in the PDL, yes. which is a conversation for another time on how long it took to finally yeah. <laughs> get the full understanding there. But at what point for you as the VP of operations – did you start to really understand how big of a project this was going to be if the Yankees came through to get this ballpark ready to go for opening day 2021? Well, we, I knew from the beginning that this was not going to be an easy project because it's, it's going to be a multi-phase project. And, and, you know, we knew we had to do some things for the Yankees and they didn't really ask for anything out of the ordinary, com, you know, compared to what we have to do for Major League Baseball. I mean, um, which is great. I mean, Major League Baseball right now is trying to upgrade all of the minor league facilities to give them a standard, you know, that, that everybody has to abide by, obviously. And that's kind of what the... Uh, the PDL states, right? So, um, you know, I don't know if you guys covered that in any previous podcast. Um, a little, with, with yeah, we talked little, about it a little know. bit last week. Basically, it's the operating agreement on right. how, you know, the partnership between the Patriots and Major League Baseball and through that, the New York Yankees as well will work for the next 10 years. Exactly. So, you know, and there's some standards and practices in that that we had to, you know, adhere to. And we had already actually started the process. You know, you talked about the lights a little bit. You know, it's one thing is we, we can have that. Um, we had already kind of started the process of getting the lights potentially converted to LED lighting, uh, which is exciting. And then, of course, we started getting all the concept drawings together for all the things that, uh, you know, like you said, upgrading the clubhouses and um, the batting cage facility. And uh, there's going to be a new a new gym facility because we also have to do some stuff. Of course, when the PDL came out, we didn't had not planned on, but uh, we had to or we have to upgrade the visiting clubhouse a little bit and, and add to it. Um, you know, it's, it's not in bad shape now, but it's a little bit small, uh, which, and, and listen, we're not in the only, we're not the only ones in this shape. There's many teams in throughout the country that are having the same issue. Uh, we happen to be fortunate that we have some space that we can, that we can make this upgrade. So in the fall, we're actually going to have what we're going to call it's our phase three um, of, of that, not phase two. I thought that was going to be phase two. No, technically that's phase three. So phase <laughs> phase one was all the inside work. Phase two is the batting cage facility that's going in outdoors, and then phase three is going to be the new kind of maintenance building that will also contain a gym. Our original plan was to put the gym over in the RWJ building, um, but we realized that that logistically it's a little bit far away, um, and we could make it a little bit you know more logistically uh coherent you know to to or cohesive i should say yeah you know to to put the gym on the first base side of the ballpark as opposed to keeping it over on the third base side so i want to jump in briefly here we put out plans for what our phase one of renovations were i want to say maybe about a month ago but just to confirm for our listeners the new batting cages this new indoor space that's going to be built right next to the first base gate. Yes. And this gym that you're speaking about slash maintenance area. Yep. That can you expand a little bit for some of our listeners on exactly where that's going to be located here? So it's going to be so if you're looking if you're going to be walking into the ballpark going up the first base stairs as most of our season ticket holders do every night, um it will be the gym buildings right there immediately to the right. I'm sorry. The batting cage building is yes. immediately to the right. The gym Extending building, a little bit into the red lot. Sending a little bit into the red lot. And the, and the gym building is going to kind of be just to the right of that, um, essentially. It's going to uh, connect to our existing maintenance area. It's going to come out in the same direction towards the red lot um, that the uh, gym build or that the, I keep saying the gym building, the gym building will come into the same um, 
area that the batting cage building does. So they'll be almost right next to each other with a separation in between. Uh, in addition to that, there's a number of other improvements yeah. that are going on this year. Um, uh, we talked about the lighting. We talked about the uh, the expanded clubhouse. Uh, some stuff with the field as well. Um, some other things that fans will see, some things that fans won't see. Uh, what else can you tell us about some of the improvements for this season? Yeah, so, I mean, the lighting will be obviously a big one that fans will be able to see. It's going to be really cool. We're going to be able to do some really neat stuff, like with home runs. You know, we'll be able to do the stuff that they do at Yankee Stadium and a lot of the other ballparks and NFL stadiums around where they have light, you know, like they can flash the lights and do all kinds of cool stuff. And different colors. Different well. colors, yeah. yeah so It's very exciting. It's really neat. We can do all <laughs> kinds of cool stuff um, with the colors and um, you know, we'll be able to do stuff for, you know, fireworks shows and, um, it's really neat. Uh, just the, the, the amount of things that you can do with this lighting system and, and the bullpen, um, will be another fan facing thing that everybody can see. We're actually taking the bullpen and moving it from the right field corner off the field into the, um, our, what was con our lawn seating. So the lawn seating will shrink a little bit. Um, and the new bullpen will, will be down, um, you know, below, uh, off the playing surface, um, which is kind of cool. And there's the new padding, I remember you saying, yeah. that's going around the... Uh, so what is that going to look... How different, I guess, is that going to look for some of our fans to have padding around the entire interior of the, the field level? It it won't look a tremendous amount different. Um, you know, we, we've already got some... You know, it, it's going to be green, you know, our, our Patriots green going around. So it won't look a lot different from what you see, but we will be getting um, some new upgrades in the dugouts. We, you know, it was time. That was something that we were considering or not considering, but we were probably going to do anyway. Also, we were going to upgrade some of the dugout accessories, new benches, new racks and uh, things like that. Well, Bri, um, I know it's been an insane amount that's been put on your plate, but I appreciate you taking some time today. Uh, it's a really exciting time to be seeing all of these changes to TD Bank Ballpark. And hopefully within the next couple of weeks, you're able to get at least a little bit of sleep because I know that uh, May 4th is, is right around the corner and it, and it bears pretty large in a lot of our minds. So good yeah. luck with that and uh, should be fun. Yeah, thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Welcome back to the Patriots in Pinstripes podcast. My name is Mark Schwartz, and now we have Senior Vice President of Marketing, batting third on today's lineup, uh, Mr. Dave Merrick. How are you doing, Dave? Hello, Mark, and I uh, am proud to be in the three-hole. That's a strong hitting position. Yeah, well, you know, uh, I know that you are good in the RBI column. You're, you're able to bat in some guys, and uh, who else to bring in than, than one of the longest-tenured employees with the team? Well, thank you. I, I wish my high school coach had the same thing to say about me. But uh, what position did you play in high school? Uh, I was second base and third base. Oh, all right. Well, third base you see a little bit more in the three hole. Second base, not so much. Yeah, I, I pretty much saw the pine a lot. Mm. Yes. Well, I was a backup first baseman, yeah. so I, I feel your pain. My skills were not the best, so I needed to find another way to stay in baseball. So I, I, I chose marketing. All right. Well, that is a perfect segue into our conversation today. Uh, I want to start off by sort of introducing what your role is with the team, uh, how long you've been here, because you are one of our longest tenured employees. So what what num is this number, what season number is this for you, 20? I believe I'm on 22. 22? Yeah. Wow. What are some of the memories that come to mind when you say 22 years with the Patriots? Well, I, I remember the first year in 2000, which was um, a tremendous year for me because that was, I really wanted to be working in baseball. And when I first came here that first year, it was like, um, the heavens opened up for me. It was, it was just, it was so, I, I couldn't believe how exciting it was to do so many different things. Um, you know, I used to run promotions on the field and working with new clients and, and sponsorships and, and all this stuff. We just got to do, you know, you always hear the term, you wear many hats in minor league baseball. And that is absolutely true. Uh, and it, that makes it very fun and exciting and it makes the days just fly by. Uh, so it was, you know, that year was exciting, you know, some other memorable moments, obviously our, all of our championships are exciting. Um, I really take a lot of pride in the three all-star games that we were part of in 2000, 2008 and 2017 and putting those together as a, a one big giant event has been icing on my career right there. So that kind of leads me to another question just to set up, sort of establish 
the foundation of who you are <laughs> and what you do with the team. Can you go a little bit more into detail about what the role of senior vice president of marketing means and sort of your day-to-day operations? Yeah, so I mean, uh, this is one of my hats uh, in marketing. Um, it's my role to, you know, get our name out there in the community and, you know, sell tickets, promote our promotions, do all those sort of things. So uh, I work uh, hand in hand with our ad agency, uh, where we sit down and organize our different, you know, marketing agreements through whether it's through digital or outdoor or radio or TV or whatever the case may be. For yourself as a marketing professional, how exciting was it to understand that one of the biggest sports brands in the world is now sort of at your disposal to a certain extent to utilize to help enhance the own brand identity of the team you've worked for for over 20 years? It's tremendous. I mean, what 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 else can you say? I mean, it's uh, you know you see a Yankee logo and you you just you know the excellence that it brings and 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 the excellence that people are looking for. Yankees win championships. You hear of the best baseball players in the world: Babe Ruth, Lou Gehrig, Joe DiMaggio, Mickey Mantle. All these guys are New York Yankees, and um, there's just such a an aura and, and a mystique with the, the Yankee brand that. That um, that we're now part of, and it's just um, it's almost kind of overwhelming in a statement because you're just like, are you kidding me? It's like we're <laughs> we're, we're part of the Yankees. Uh, I'll talk about our brand a little bit, where we were kind of toying with the idea of like, huh, do we need to change our name? Do we need to change our our brand? Do we need to change our look? And you know, a lot of um, there was a lot of discussion about that, and I think what we what we came to is that. We didn't want to change our look, and we didn't want to change our name. And the reason being is because for a couple of things. Number one, you look at the Yankees organization as a whole, and they are consistent. I mean, if you look at their logo branding over the years, I think it maybe it's changed once. I think and that was just adding the the, the bat and the hat logo. Um, and they've they've stayed consistent you know that's that's not a trend in in major league baseball everybody's all, all major league teams are changing their looks and their designs and all that stuff but the yankees are consistent we want to also take that consistent consistency with our branding and our logo as well and i think we're very important in our community here our, our fans you know come to know us and love us and we want to you know project that ability that we are the same organization that we've been, uh, the success that we've had for 22, 23 seasons. And we're the same people that are running the organization, like you talked about last last podcast. And, you know, we're still the Somerset Patriots. And we're the Somerset Patriots because this area that we're on is, is you know, hallowed ground in the Revolutionary War. There was battles that were fought right here on, on the grounds that the, the field was, was played at. There's a historic house right you know across the street from our ballpark the van horn house that is um you know that took place in in the battle of boundbrook and whatever year that was 1788 or whatever it was. something in the general time frame <laughs> so you know that that's our connection with this community in this area um you know some yankee fans aren't happy that we're the patriots but you know and i can understand that but um to understand that we're, you know, the Patriots is is about the history of this area and the, and the history that that we bring, and we want to maintain our our brand and consistency, just like the Yankees do. How difficult was it when the news came out to fight off that temptation of rebranding? How difficult was it? I don't think it was too difficult. I think you know we just we methodically had a discussion about it and and you know weighed the options and. I think it's just the fact that we've built such a brand equity in the t- past 20 years that to all of a sudden just change that and you know people here wouldn't know who they are you know who the you know what happened to the Patriots you know did, is it all the Yankee people that are that are now running the place like all, all those things could be happening while we're not necessarily changing our name and we're not necessarily changing our logo that doesn't mean we can do a refresh. And we're currently undergoing that refresh right now. With an, with a, we um, hired a brand new agency. We wanted to go a, a brand new direction because carrying the connection with the Yankees carries a big weight on us. And we want to make sure that we are 
re-looking at how we're doing things and taking ourselves to the next level, so to speak. We're taking our logo and we're looking at ways to connect that with the Yankees logo, as well as um, to kind of refresh it a little bit. So you, you may see it, but and, and in a way that's still recognizable to you, but may also look a little bit differently. Um, and then that's also not to say that there's not room or opportunity for growth in this space too. So, um, you know, you see a lot of teams do Sunday uniforms or different batting practice caps with different logos on them and things like that. There very well could be an opportunity for us to go in that space to where we have kind of a an alternate logo or an alternate, you know, thing that we look at. But that's something that's going to be a little bit down the road. Interesting. Uh, in minor league baseball, there's so many quirky team names, there's quirky logos, there's all of these different oddities that have made a lot of fans around the country fall in love with this level of baseball. Uh, from your perspective, is there anything that you've seen from this new level of baseball that the Patriots are now entering on the marketing side that you feel would be advantageous for the Patriots to take on moving forward? Yeah, for sure. So I'll help you understand that. So one of the very cool things about working in this new environment is the collaboration with all minor league teams. And uh, I know you've been on, on frequent meetings and, and, you know, we've all been on frequent meetings every week with, with uh, either the league teams or just all the teams in general. And on those meetings, we're discussing, you know, and sharing different ways that teams are doing things and how they're managing the tickets and how they're managing promotions and fireworks and all that sort of stuff. So there's a lot of sharing that goes on and, and, you know, what works well in one ballpark may very well work well in another ballpark. So there's, there's a lot of that going on. It's still very fresh. So I don't have a ton of stuff there, but I'll tell you, there is one thing that is kind of a minor league baseball initiative that we've never been part of before that we will be go, be joining, not this year because the decision was uh, needed to be made like three months ago and we weren't even <laughs> ready to make that decision. But uh, there's a, um, there's a initiative in minor league baseball called the COPA program. And what that is, it's, um, it's teams changing their names to uh, fit the, um, the Hispanic community. And, and they, you know, there's all these really cool creative names out there that, uh, you know, if you look it up, you can see just, I think there's probably about 80 or 90 teams that are doing this. So we are going to be investigating that and making sure that we want to do that right and, and come up with something really cool and fun. And that will be a new new look for us, a brand new you know look. You know. To, to wrap up our conversation, the 30,000-foot the view of the Somerset Patriots. Am I my drone forward. on this view here? Uh, yes, yes, this is your, okay, your, uh, <laughs> your, your phantom, is it? Is that <laughs> yes, what it is? of course. Uh, so you have a very large say in how the Patriots look and feel uh, moving forward, whether it be through social media, whether it be through our own advertising efforts, whether it be through the partners that advertise here, uh, you have a, a very large say in that. So what are some of your goals now with this new Yankee affiliation? What are some of your goals for how the Somerset Patriots look and feel over the next number of years to reinforce who they are in the community while at the same time make that big introduction to people that might not have known too much about this club. I think we've had a lot of success in what we've done so far. It's just a matter of building on that success. And I think the way to build on that is, um, you know, you get some of these hotshot players that come through here that are going to be, you know, great down the road and you just, you elevate them. Um, you know, everybody wants to see, the Martian come here, which is Jason Dominguez. He hasn't played a single professional game yet in his life, but everybody's comparing him to Mickey Mantle. To have him come over here and play on our field would be very exciting. And, you know, to be able to present our players and, and you know, we're going to carry our organization the same way we always have. And, and you know, with respect, but with dignity, do, doing things the right way. Um, it's just adding this, this Yankee brand on top of it is just going to help Elevate. You know, we're going to be able to have a lot more eyes that are going to be able to see who we are and what we're, what, what we're about. I, I do have one quick message, though, to our fans. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it, um, of course, not everybody's in love with the fact that we're 
a Yankees affiliate now, right? We've had a lot of long-term fans that have expressed their concerns of, of you know, maybe not liking the Yankees or whatever. Uh, I would just say this to you, or to those fans, that this is a very exciting endeavor. And in the past, when we had players like Scott Kelly, everybody loved Scott Kelly, right? He was a Patriot first. He, he's, you know, any of these Yankee players that are coming here, they're going to be Patriots first. And if a guy like Scott Kelly happened to get signed by the Yankees and he made it all the way up to the big leagues and was playing for the Yankees, would you no longer be a fan of Scott Kelly's because you're, because you're not a Yankee fan maybe. So there's room and opportunity, even though you, if you don't like the Yankees, that you have a chance to sit here and watch some of the best players in the world that are getting ready to go to the major leagues. And they're going to be the Yank- They're going to be Patriots first. They're going to be in your community first. All right. Well, thank you so much, Dave, for taking the time today. And uh, yeah, let's let's get after it. Thank you, Shorty. Let's do this. And welcome back to the Patriots in Pinstripes podcast, batting cleanup. For our vice president chats today is the vice president of communications and media relations, Mark Russinoff. How are you doing, Mark? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, of course. I wanted to make sure that I got the new title correct. Yes. Yes. It's um, a good change. Well, let's uh, let's use that to immediately jump into exactly what you do here. Uh, you are one of the longest tenured employees with the team. It's a, uh, I guess it's a consistent trend that we've had on this episode of the podcast. Uh, the youngest member that we've had as a guest this week is Matt Kopis entering his 19th season. What number season is this for you? This would be my 23rd, 23rd season. season. Yeah, I've been here since 1999. I started as an intern. I worked with Rich Reitman, who was the original director of public relations. He moved into communications, a, uh, a director of community relations role. And I took over as director of public relations. Uh, since then, I've been promoted to vice president status. And, uh, you know, it's just a great group of people, great ownership. The Califers are the best people to work for. Patrick, everybody that we work with is just it's family. So it's fun to be able to say that you come to work every day. You love the people. You love what you've helped build. And it's something that you enjoy. And, and I think that's part of why we're here with this Yankee partnership is that people like to be here, people stay here, and they really get it and, and take a lot of pride in what they've built. At this point in the podcast, we've already outlined exactly how this Yankee partnership came to be. We've sort of walked through the steps. Pat McVeary, uh, team president, general manager last week, sort of walked us through the initial stages. We had Brian Owicki on, uh, who talked about some of the operations and the conversations that happened over the course of the summer. So I want to pick things up with you in the week leading, well, really the day before the announcement was made. Uh, the announcement was made on November 7th. We've said this a number of times on the podcast already. That was a Saturday. Mm-hmm. There is a J.J. Cooper article in Baseball America that broke the news that Friday night. Right. So for somebody in your position where you have been in control of the messaging for this organization for 23 years, more or less, um, to have the biggest news in the history of the organization break online on a Friday night and then have to get that communication squared away and have everything prepared for the biggest announcement ever on, on the same day that there's a presidential election that might be called. Can you walk me through what that experience was like from your perspective? Well, it's funny because we were having conversations with the Yankees just kind of like planning, like well, when are we going to be ready to do this announcement? When are you, what's the right time frame? And we were involved in those conversations, and it was like, it might be as early as here. You know, We're going to talk about maybe putting out the information in a few days. Let's shoot for this day or whatever it was when the, when the agreements were you know, in place. And then out of nowhere, on a Friday, I went home, and people started, <laughs> my phone this, started blowing up. I remember up. this day so vividly. <laughs> my phone started blowing up and people were like, the New York Yankees, you guys are going to be the AA affiliate. I'm like, what are you talking about? And like, J.J. Cooper. And uh, he does a great job. He's on top of everything. He's probably the best in the business. You'll find him finding everything out. 
And it really accelerated everything because we were at a point where we were just trying to really plan. And I love to plan. As you know, we yes. like to have control of the messaging and be part of the conversation and, and put out the news. But it was out there. And I was like, okay, now we're in reacting mode. We're not really necessarily putting it out first. People are already getting it. And then you're also thinking to yourself, like, this is the biggest news. You want to be able to be the one that puts it out in conjunction with the Yankees. And here we're not really controlling it. So I, I reached out to Steve. I reached out to Jonathan, Josh, and Patrick, and we're all having conversations like, what are we supposed to do at this point? It's it's out there. It's you know being confirmed. And um, that kind of accelerated the announcement to become that Saturday. And I was talking to Jason Zillow at the Yankees, and we were trying to figure out exactly when we were going to put it out. Um, we, we planned for noon or one o'clock on that Saturday. And then Biden was called you know, the president <laughs> and you're like, here it is even bigger news. Yep. And it was just like one of those things of, of just like, well, this is really going to get a lot of play because it was like such a big news day because of everything going on. So I want to get into that. So the announcements made on November 7th. And then, uh, since that point, people know that the Somerset Patriots are now the new double A affiliate of the New York Yankees. So from a messaging perspective, and we've had a number of conversations off the air about this. What were some goals that you had to communicate the biggest news potentially in franchise history to, I guess, a, a, a somewhat divided, not too much, but a somewhat divided fan base of, you know, knowing how huge the Yankees loom in this market while at the same time understanding that there's some Patriots fans that might not feel that same initial sense of excitement as we did. What, what was that process like for you? Well, I think that we decided that it was something that I think we as an organization, and I think the common idea is that this is huge, regardless of whether you're a Yankee fan, a Somerset Patriots fan, or however you look at it, for where we were as an independent team for 20 plus years to now join the biggest name in sports is a huge accomplishment. And I think that some of the things to look at is there are people that loved us who, where we were, how we did it. And that's a credit to the people that have been here in the community for such a long time that we were able to take something out of nothing, let's say, um, and built a brand, built a league, really made something special. And, you know, you can't fault people for really buying into what we've really created it means here. that you were doing your job it means we all were i mean yeah. from from ownership down we we made something very special that people really took pride in and cared about um so for those people i understand that it changes and always something that people want to you know just join right away but i think for something like this you're not changing what you love about this place you're enhancing it with even bigger baseball side of it, you know, where it's family fun and all that great stuff. And, and you're going to love the players and everything that we used to bring here because they're family to us too. But now you're going to see double A prospects. You're going to see probably the best brand of baseball outside of major league baseball. You're going to see guys that are going to be working their way up. And I think that it, it was trying to find that happy medium of this is the most exciting thing ever because I know how hard people work to get here. I know how much people care about this place, and I think that they need to understand that no one cares more about the Somerset Patriots than the Califers and the people that work here. And we know that this is such an extraordinary opportunity, and it's going to be great for fans and the community and everything else. We wouldn't have entered this agreement if we didn't think that it was that much better. Moving forward now, we have all these Yankee prospects. We yep. have all of this excitement. Does the strategy in communicating the brand of the Somerset Patriots change at all with this, with these new opportunities? Yeah, you know, I think that it, it does a little bit. I think that we're trying to really look at it's everything you love about the Somerset Patriots, and now it's being enhanced by the New York Yankees. Um, I think that you have to look at it that way of, there are people that just want to know that we're still doing what we've always done. And it's kind of hard to do that when people haven't seen it yet. Because a lot of people have, you know, in their mind, 
what they used to go to. Oh, it's a great night out. You know, I loved seeing Scott Kelly and all the great players and, and everything like that. That's not going to change. The players' names might change. I think you're still going to get the extraordinary experience and everything that you loved about the Patriots. And we just need to really push that out to people that it's still what you love, but it's just going to be so much better. One of the great things about this new partnership with the Yankees is that we have this PDL signed through 2030. So 10 seasons as the New York Yankees AA affiliate uh, is confirmed with this, which is, of course, exhilarating Mm -hmm. for all of us here. Um, When you look at the big picture for the Somerset Patriots, you know, this 2021 season is going to be filled with its oddities. Uh, You know, it's the first time that us as an organization are going through this partnership while at the same time still having to deal with the complications that a, a global pandemic right. <laughs> causes. Uh, but when we're looking you know, past 2021 and what this partnership means for the Patriots for the next 10 years and hopefully a lot longer than that, what are some of the things that gets you excited about this partnership and, and specifically geared to ways that we'll be able to advance our own communication strategies, ways that we'll be able to advance our brand recognition in the community across the country. What are, what are some things that really start to get your juices flowing a bit? Yeah, I mean, there's so many things. There's going to be so many stories. There always are. There's so many stories that we've pushed out. And it's it's one of those things that I think that the excitement is just on the number of eyes and excitement and impressions and getting the name out there with people. And we worked really hard to do it well, I think, at the level we were at. And it's not anything to take away from what we had been for 20-plus years or the Atlantic League itself, but there's a whole other interest in Major League Baseball and Minor League Baseball, and certainly at a time when they're changing the whole game. And I think that that's going to be really exciting to see over the next 10 years where the stories go and who goes, who comes through here, whether it's, you know, Luis Hill being the first one that's coming through and he's going to be the first of many. It's going to be the Jason Dominguez, Jason Dominguez when he gets here. And, and, you know, that'll be wild. It's, I mean, people are excited and they have a great farm system and a great group of guys who I hear that their pitchers are incredible and they're really excited about the guys that are coming up. And there's just such a love for the Yankees, and there's such a love for the Somerset Patriots. And I think combining those two things are just going to be this perfect fit. Uh, and there's a lot of news that will likely come out in the uh, days and weeks to come before we get ready for the season, including uh, coaching staff and eventually a roster. So it's uh, it's a thrilling time to be a part of the communications department here with the team. Uh, thanks so much for taking some time today, Mark. Appreciate it, and uh, we'll speak to you again soon. Thanks, Mark. Appreciate it. Back here on the Patriots in Pinstripes podcast, a special thanks to our four VPs, uh, Matt, Bry, Dave, and Mark, that joined the pod this week. We'll be back with another all-new episode next week of the Patriots in Pinstripes podcast. Until then, have a pleasant weekend, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Patriots in Pinstripes podcast. Each episode is aired on the Voice of Central Jersey, 1450 WCTC, and WCTCAM.com every Thursday night from 6 p.m. to 7 p.m., with online versions made available on podcast streaming platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and more. Please consider giving us a five-star rating if you enjoyed the show. The Patriots and Pinstripes podcast is written, hosted, and edited by me, Mark Schwartz. It is produced by Jack Myatt, Ginny Ott, and the entire team at 1450 WCTC.